Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 748 with a review of The Killer. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. This week is the second week in a row that we're talking about the latest film from a beloved filmmaker um, that has killer in the title. Um, in this mm-hmm. case, uh, last week, um, you know, we had uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, and now we are talking about David Fincher's The Killer. Um, Steven, you, you a fan of David Fincher? I am, yeah. I like him. I've been thinking about him a lot lately because Blank Check is currently going through his filmography. I I think they just recorded the Social Network episode, so they're getting close to the end. Um, I haven't rewatched anything, but I have been listening in on all their episodes, so I've been, like, refreshing my mind on his body of work. I I think other than... I've never seen Alien 3, and I've never seen The Game. Otherwise, I believe I'm a completist on Dave Fincher movies, and I, I need to go back and watch the game at least. Um, yeah, yeah, the game you got to see. The jury Alien... is out on Alien Three. <laughs> yeah, Alien Three. I think you might be able to like let go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it seems like there's some hot take reclaiming of it that he was like fucking around with the Alien format in a way that is fun to go back and look at now that you know what he's all about. But that could be that, that could be a little bit of historical revisionism. Not not sure. Yeah, but the yeah, game I... I want to check out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I trust that. Where um, are you? Are you a completist? Have you, have you seen all of his stuff? Uh, I have not seen all of his stuff. I am always excited um, for whatever he has coming out. Like seeing his name attached to something definitely makes me curious about, you know, what's going on and, and what the film's going to be, you know, whether it's, you know, TV streaming stuff or his films. Um, but yeah, David Fincher is always somebody to get excited about. And this film kind of snuck up, though. I mean, like, I feel like yeah. this was sort of like until I got the email from Alamo that's like, you can <laughs> you can buy a ticket to see this film. I was like, uh, what film is this? So I knew it existed only because I was expecting it to show up at TIFF. And then when it didn't, I felt uh, bummed out about it. And I was wondering okay. why. I, I think it was one of the many things that just they didn't put in the festivals when the strikes were ongoing because they were mm. like eh, we don't we don't have as much to gain from from screening this but yeah, that's yeah. all i didn't know what it was about though the name kind of gave me a hint <laughs> <But> <laughs> otherwise i had no idea it, it's pretty pretty easy to assume it's about somebody who does some killing <laughs> I, I think it was at venice actually they just didn't bother bring it to toronto okay but yeah um are you excited to talk about it i am yeah i mean i i guess we should just to put a cap on the Dave Fincher movies, I guess I would ask, what are your like top two Fincher movies? I think mine are Zodiac. Love, 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 love Zodiac so much. And right now I would say seven, but only because I've never revisited the social network, which people seem to really, really, really love. And I just haven't gone back. And I, I really liked it when it came out. But I think when I watched it, Facebook was still so fresh to me. It, it still felt kind of, I couldn't zoom out and see it as like an amazing movie in its own right. I saw it as like a very current movie and I, and I want to give it another watch before I make my final call. Yeah. I mean, for me, it probably would be the social network and then maybe seven, maybe a few things there should be uh, 
shuffled around. I think that one of the reasons why the social network blew me away so much is because I was like, why is this being made? The exact reason that you feel in your head now that it, it, it wouldn't be there is what I was expecting going in. And what mm. I what I got was a film that I completely forgot that it was about Facebook and was just like, this is a fucking great movie and I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's I, I haven't revisited it for you know, quite a few years now. I have watched it a few times though. But yeah, I think that one still sticks with me in a way that, you know, always always makes me think about it fondly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and just to be clear, I firmly believe the social network is probably amazing. I just <laughs> the only time I watched it, I was so swept up in I can't believe they're making a Facebook movie right now. This is such a you know, two-day movie. I, I didn't watch it with the brain of someone thinking about whether it was a good movie. <laughs> I watched it with the brain of how are they going to pull off the Facebook story. And yeah, I think yeah. now with distance, I could go back and just admire the the way that it was made on its own. Yeah. Cool. Well, it's time to figure out if we can admire this little film about uh, a killer. Um, so, Stephen, mm-hmm. you ready to do it? Oh, yeah. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for The Killer and come back and give everyone a review. I find music a useful distraction, a focused tool, keeps the inner voice from wandering. So that was the trailer for The Killer, um, which is the latest film from David Fincher and stars Michael Fassbender as uh, a killer who um, is a a man who has paid lots of money to do killings. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to leave it at that for now. I learned something. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Stephen Miller, what did you think of The Killer? Yeah, what a weird movie this is. And I'm really into it. And I also find it weird. Um, I, I think more than anything since Fight Club, this is a satire of like self-serious masculinity. And it is way more obviously doing that than Fight Club, which a million people at the time of watching that movie definitely took it 
totally seriously and thought Tyler Durden was the coolest guy in the world. Um, <laughs> this movie, I don't think you can watch it and walk away with any feeling other than this movie is trying to deflate how cool and perfect this guy's inner monologue is for himself versus the way his life actually goes down. Uh, I'm curious if you agree when you talk about how, how you feel. But to me, there's an interesting thing from the very beginning where the movie... You hear it in the trailer. He has this kind of like meditation. He says to himself, this is what it takes. Forbid empathy. Trust no one. Fight only the battles you're paid to fight. Always think what's in it for me. And within like 20 minutes into this movie, you already see him like in the middle of one of those quotes, failing to do the thing that he is like saying so badassly that he's capable of doing. And I feel like the movie is so interesting because it has style up the wazoo. Like, I, I would say this movie is almost entirely style. Um, yeah. There's a scene early on where Michael Fassbender, he's... I'm just going to spoil that he's in a WeWork. It's a cool detail that I like about uh, <laughs> how he chooses to conduct his... Uh, but can you can, rent a WeWork that's under construction? <laughs> because... It's a great question. I don't know. I, I'm thinking... We learn later that he has the ability to, like, clone key cards. So I'm wondering if that has something else to do with how he gets in there. Um but anyway, in the scene, he is listening to the Smiths in one earphone while he looks through a scope and plans his shooting. When it cuts to his perspective, we hear the audio in only the right ear of the music playing, while in the left ear, we hear whatever ambient sounds are happening. And then whatever cuts away and looks at him, we hear it muffled. And it, it it's like just for fun, Fincher's like playing with audio to make you be like exactly hearing what he would hear. Um and there's a million little details like this where it's just like he had a cool idea. He went with it. The movie is heavily stylized. It has, you know, epic action sequences. It has these, quote, serious monologues. And then it is also very obviously not a character who is as cool and perfect as he thinks he is. And I find it to be a really interesting exercise where it's like kind of cold and kind of funny and kind of awesome and very odd. And I I just had a blast watching this movie and trying to figure out what is this trying to say? Is it trying to say anything? Or is this just trying to be a really inventive exercise? Uh, I've seen people comparing it to a samurai movie, and I think that's a really actually apt comparison. It's like the, the lone wolf, the person who's alone with his thoughts, who just has a job to do, and he does it and he executes it ruthlessly. And um, it's just fun. It, it, it There's multiple locations in this movie. There's a bunch of really cool set pieces. Uh, there's a fight with someone called The Brute that I think is like amazingly well choreographed in <laughs> oh, this yeah. movie. Uh, there's also a conversation at a table. I won't spoil with who, but I think that is like, if it were a video game, that would be the coolest like cutscene in the video game right before Mayhem starts. Um, the movie just has so many cool raw materials, and I, I kind of admire the way Fincher takes all that and decides, like, I am just going to give you an empty, stylized view of how lonely and kind of absurd and ridiculous the life of a hired gun would be, rather than indulge in whatever urge you might have to, like, make it a hero you root for or make it something that you leave the theater going like, hell yeah, I root for that guy. I love it. I'm going to see it again. Like he, I, he has a commitment to this like interesting undercutting of the main character. And I think Michael Fassbender is such a interestingly like both cool and also lame <laughs> guy at the same time playing this role. I, 
I really had a blast with this movie and I have no idea why it exists or what it is trying to say. But I, I love that it that it does exist and I can try to unpack it and figure it out. What did you think? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was interesting that you said that, like, you know, you, you had heard about this and you were hoping it was going to be at TIFF while we were there. And it was or, or at least we didn't get to see it, um, uh, whether or not it was there. Um, and, you know, while we were at TIFF, somehow accidentally we kept like the schedule that we programmed ended up being films back to back that actually worked really, really well thematically. And I, I can, love to imagine. Can I pause? Yeah. Are you wondering if this came after Argo Drift? No, 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 no. I'm saying that uh, I, I, I would Our love country. a world. I would love a world in which we saw this and Hitman at the same Ooh. like back to back, just because oh, they're yeah. so they're so opposite films. You are kind of like weaving a thread kind of between them almost, where it's like they're both sort of like one takes the idea of thinking about Hitman and that's its own dissection of of that, and then this film you're you're saying is sort of playing with. Is this guy actually as cool as he thinks he is, or as, mm-hmm. as good as he is pretending to be in his internal monologue? And you're weaving that as her dissection. I guess I sort of watched this film straight, like I just watched it mm-hmm. as like I'm watching a guy. Um, and I know that, like you know, whatever you're not supposed to have voiceover, you're definitely not supposed to have inner monologue constantly throughout a film. But for me, it really, really worked. And you know, to your question about this film, I don't know whether it is supposed to be making fun of him or whether this is him trying to convince himself or talk him into being the guy that he wants, like self-actualization becoming the <laughs> man that you want to be. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know if that's actually what's happening there, but I really enjoyed just the, the pure, you know, like he uh, it's in the trailer. We just heard it five minutes ago. I'm already forgetting the exact line, but he's, he basically says that like being a assassin is purely about logistics and it's just mm-hmm. about what does it take to actually do it and forgetting his a character for forgetting whether or not his character is cool i really enjoyed the logistics of how to actually commit one of these assassinations and what actually goes into it like the 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 first 15 minutes maybe more of this film is him doing yoga <laughs> in a we work mm-hmm. waiting for an opportunity to take a shot at a target and just like going from being like this isn't a jason statham uh you know he's gonna do a barrel roll in his car and knock a bomb off the bottom of it and shit like that in the transporter right this isn't like the guy who's like way over the top it's just the guy who is so proficient at what he does and plans for all these things and um, you know, response in the moment. And, you know, one of my favorite things um, in any sort of film that involves altercations or chases and stuff is not the guy who like, like, don't get me wrong, love, love, love all the John Wick films. Mm-hmm. But what I really love is somebody who is just almost not scraping by right somebody who is getting the shit kicked out of them somebody who's almost getting caught every time they turn on the street and i feel like this is a film about a person who is good at what they do because they remove all variables from the equation and if any of those removing of the variables were to not necessarily work out everything is now off the table and it's like the improvisation Mm -hmm. is 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 it's not like you know, Ethan Hunt, where, you know, improving is where he's good, right? He has a plan, it's going to go wrong, and he's just going to fucking be amazing at whatever he's trying to do. This is more like a person really trying to figure out, you know, they can plan for, for every outcome, but they can't actually 
execute on that in the moment if shit does get crazy. And and I really loved just how slow and methodical this this film was and just like watching this character think about all the things he wants to do and then see that executed with you know with style and stuff and and you know that that fight scene that you referenced earlier is so inventive i don't even know what's happening with the audio in that scene there is weird like it's like the audio it's the opposite of watching a musical right where like people's emotion turns into the song that they're singing and dancing to this was like the sheer badassery of that fight scene turns into this weird like funky kind of experience like it i i know you didn't watch um no one will save you is that the film the the alien it movie but that that film does a lot with sound and like the the music that's playing during that fight reminds me of the sound effects and stuff from that film and it just whatever was going on was fucking badass (laughs) and i was like it it was an amazing amazing fight sequence (laughs) yeah and it definitely like you were talking about video games earlier and you were just talking about a video game in the context of you know sitting at a table and, and what's going on there but like the video like just like the brute is clearly a boss, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he has a title card as well, but like the fight is so lopsided. <laughs> right. It's so fucking badass, though. Yeah, no, I mean, I think what's fun and I wonder how far apart our interpretations are here, because I feel like what makes this movie awesome is David Fincher is doing everything he can to deflate the self-seriousness of this guy and the badassness and still showing us just how badass he can be anyway just like he's doing both at the same time in a way that i think is a really cool flex um you mentioned that you wonder if the monologue is just the stuff that the killer has to say to convince himself to you know actualize into the killer um and i feel like it is and i feel like that is what i found to be the humor of this movie um I I don't I really don't want to spoil anything about this movie. Uh, so maybe we can do like a tiny tiny spoiler section. But there are just a few times where he has a monologue, very awesomely calmly describing how he knows exactly what is going to unfold and like methodically what is going to happen. And then mid monologue, he's wrong, <laughs> and the monologue just like stops right in in, in the middle of that. And there's a lot of stuff like that where it really feels to me like David Fincher is doing something with like the degree to which this guy thinks he is a badass and how no amount of being incorrect will stop him from believing that. And like, you're right. It makes him determined and it makes him good at what he does anyway. But I, I, I found like a lot of comedy to be had in this movie way more than I expected when I was watching a uh, Michael Fassbender as a hired assassin <laughs> movie from the beginning um you mentioned the logistics of assassination and i really really like that too like the the boredom the the yoga stretching the how to dispose of the weaponry you know how to handle multiple identities there's a lot of really 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 cool stuff in here um i just i can't help but feel like if you zoom out and look at the movie as a whole it is like it is lean mean and it also doesn't have a satisfying arc and i feel like it intentionally doesn't because i feel like he is trying to make it be kind of like john wick like this series of like empty victories that don't actually mean anything and then throughout the whole movie he's also 
low-key making fun of this like middle-aged man who is an epic killer but also listens to the smiths and fucks up his inner monologue all the time and I don't know. There's something about this that reminds me of like Tony Soprano going to a therapist. Like there's something about the way this movie is laid out that feels like it has that level of comedy hiding in it as well. And I can't really put my finger on it, but it feels like a very funny comparison to Fight Club to me. Yeah, it's so it's so strange because like. All that is there. Mm. I just. I just took it at face value, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, I guess for me, the difference is that we are hearing his in, uh, inner monologue, but he doesn't know the audience is there, right? His character mm-hmm. is not talking to us. This isn't a, a you know, like a, I don't, I don't know. I was, trying, <laughs> I was trying to think of something, but like the only film I could reference in my head was like me and Earl and the dying girl, or he's like, he's like, starts off by trying to say the story that you're about to watch, right? And he's talking to the audience, the people consuming it bad example because that's just like the beginning of the film and i feel like it doesn't exist throughout it's been a long time since we saw that movie um i think maybe at the end of the movie it goes back no yeah yeah, i think it bookends it yeah yeah um but you know it's to me it's a thing where it's like he is only talking to himself it's the equivalent of john wick saying things to the dog you know or or Mm -hmm. stuff like that right where it's kind of like it's it's not it's not winking at us i think he's completely has no clue that we the audience exist right and he is sort of you know he is just in his own little world but i think too that like you know we get we get a small glimpse of the life he has outside of killing right so he's not just this pure killer guy he also has this other life that he kind of puts everything in a box and i think that Hmm. that this thing that he does with his um you know what 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 you feel is like a comedic affectation i i think is his putting himself into a box so that when he comes out of that box, he can just have a normal life uh, at his little bungalow or whatever. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because like I totally did not even think about it as full satire at all. Yeah. And I was like, so you're Holy saying shit. this is the second David Fincher movie where someone is in a box. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, it's all of someone. <laughs> So what's interesting is, like, I agree with you that he, the character of the killer, takes himself seriously. He doesn't know we're there, and he isn't playing this jokingly. I think Michael Fassbender, like, firmly commits to the idea of being this guy who just methodically, unemotionally dedicates his life to killing. But he is not, like, we've seen a ton of characters who do that in action movies throughout the years. You know, badasses. They're stoic. They're strong and silent. They're lethal. They're effective. They're unfazed. And that is not true of of this guy. Like, he he is pretty stoic. He's pretty methodical. But he fucks up, like, multiple times in the movie. And he clearly does get surprised. And then his inner monologue will go, like, shit, fuck. Like, I, I don't think the movie is telling us that he is winking in any way. But I think the movie is intentionally showing how mundane and everyday his life is while juxtaposed with these amazing action set pieces which again to your point makes it a really interesting comparison to hitman because hitman the guy is in on the fact that it's ridiculous yeah and here he isn't but in both cases i think the director is in on the fact that this is a ridiculous thing for a human being to do and i think there's comedy in both of them playing with that so so i'm gonna half counteract or, or, or counter my own statement um he is talking to the audience because why would he be describing to himself how he came up with the idea to copy a German tourist? Um, right. He's right. clearly talking to 
the audience, but I don't think it's an audience. I, I took it more of, of like, a, I'm a person reading a book, right? And the book is phrased from his internal monologue. Mm. And like, he is not winking at me still. But also he is talk like there's uh, I don't read a lot of books. So I'm going to reference a series that I'm sure people are going to think is silly. Uh, but there's this book series called the, called the Dresden Files. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically like, what if adult Harry Potter, but he was a detective. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's uh, the book is written in the style of this film where it is the internal monologue of a guy who is who is describing how magic works and behaves in this world like explaining like why is he make like why does the uh a cross um repel evil things it's not actually the cross itself it's that the cross has symbolic meaning to the like he is describing how things work in the magic world to the reader so that the reader can come along on that journey but then sometimes he's also talking to himself where he's like oh no get up get up move it you know you'll go for it now like he's you're in his head and like this that style i i assume that lots of people hate <laughs> you know what i mean like i assume that's not a good way to write, write your book but for me i really really enjoyed that method especially if there's a lot of world building involved um which is you know this more of explanation of the dresden files books um but in the case of uh you know this film it there there's like assassin uh, it, it, sorry, it's tradecraft. It's not really world building. It's tradecraft. And that tradecraft is really, really interesting. So I loved being in his head and getting sort of the history of, of that. And also just getting to see this like weird guy who orders two breakfast sandwiches and then removes the English muffins and just does like ham sausage ham <laughs> and eats that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like that, uh, like all, all of that was interesting and compelling to me. And I wasn't laughing at it. I was just like, oh, okay, it's an interesting quirk of this guy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're closer than I'm making it sound like we are. It's not like no. I was like LOLing in the theater the whole time, you know, Th- though there were a few moments where I and the audience definitely laughed uh, at things that happened in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it more feels like David Fincher has made it abundantly clear that if he wanted to make John Wick, he could make the best fucking John Wick movie ever. Like he... That that fight sequence with the brute, the methodical way Michael Fassbender gets what he wants. There are a million little details of things that he does to get into places, counting the seconds that it takes for certain things to close. Like, like there are a million amazing details that would make just a badass movie if you were rooting for some kind of revenge thriller or something where you're just like, hell yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, keep going. I think David Fincher is showing us that he could make that movie and then very intentionally making it so sparse and also having this monologue that he knows gets repetitive. Like the guy literally repeats his kind of meditation to himself maybe 10 times throughout this movie. He says the same kind of things of like, this is what it takes forbid empathy. Trust no one, trust no one. This is what it takes. And the way it pops up, I cannot interpret it any way, but being deflating of the guy's self, importance and aggrandizing he to me he is um he isn't talking to the audience necessarily but it also isn't his inner monologue it's his like lego batman outer monologue you know (laughs) um and i really think there is a there's a level here of kind of laughing at the story you have to tell yourself to make yourself cruel and cold and badass and it is it, it is depicting that and maybe depicting it realistically, but I also think it is 
if not mocking it, it is supposed to find some kind of dry satire or humor in it. And I, again, I don't know why. I, I don't see like a deep message in this movie or some pointed criticism. I just, uh, I have to read it that way. And I think it is a really cool, interesting combination of amazing, badass action movie and also intentionally deflating everything that could have made you believe it is an amazing, badass action movie. It, it's just like a, a major flex, as far as I can tell from Fincher. Yeah. And it does kind of make it feel like you're playing a video game, you know, like you're getting the the cool voiceover narration. You're getting literally first-person perspective, including first-person audio a lot. Um, I don't know. He, he's doing something really cool and interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, th this film was broken into chapters, and I would have watched a full movie of each chapter. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I wanted them to keep going, too. This was one of the... It's been a while since I've watched a movie where I deeply wanted it to not be over when it was over. Because I just wanted him to keep going to bigger and bigger bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, for sure. <laughs> I want to see what the next job is. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, I, did you actually want to talk more explicitly? Do you want to do mini mini spoiler segment? And I, I don't think I need to do mini spoilers. I'm just going to say um, nail gun. And I think there's <laughs> no way to read that scene but comedy. <laughs> and I, I think there are a few things like that where it's just uh, also Pitbull. There are different things that happen in this movie that are, um, to me, very clear depictions of this guy is not as cool as he thinks he is. And the way things are revealed and the timing of his monologues compared to what happened, I, I feel like it is clearly comedy of some sort happening in those moments. Do you think it's uh, is it is it poking fun comedy or do you think it's a little bit of like a Goku situation where he's like so badass that sometimes he has to let his his, uh, you know, his 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 outward image fall as he, you know, <laughs> catches mm. an enemy's attack and then like has to blow off his hands because it's too hot. <laughs> uh, that is a great question. I need to brush up on Dragon Ball Z and get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. But uh, so, but if if he is Goku, does that mean next goal wins is him in Super Saiyan mode because he has that ridiculous blonde hair? <laughs> uh, yeah, except for he's definitely not Super Saiyan in that film. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, but uh, yeah, then I guess uh, that might bring us towards the end of this film. Um, Stephen Miller. Let's get to verdicts. If you're going to even say must see, a record of the caveat, wait for until past the caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a must see, I, even though I'm still kind of bewildered by what Fincher is going for here, but I had a fucking blast with whatever he was doing, <laughs> and, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it is just an amazing little gem to drop, and I think when it comes to Netflix, even though people should watch it in a theater, but I think this is going to do gangbusters on Netflix. Yeah. Um, this is a must see for me as well. Uh, even even with like, I I need to go rewatch it. Uh, <laughs> it. It comes out next week, I believe, at the end of next week on Netflix. Um, so I'm gonna have to revisit it and try to like rewatch it with that framing in my mind and see if it changes anything about it. But either way, it, it it's successful at whatever it's trying to do. Whether you interpret it as being like sort of a satire of this type of film, or you believe it to be just like a straight version of this film, it succeeds 
it it will succeed either way. So it's kind of like for me, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, as you said, didn't want it to end, <laughs> wanted to keep going. Bring us the killer HBO Max series or, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, I guess the show would just also go on Netflix since uh, the film's already yeah, going on true. Netflix. It, it'd be pretty weird if he gave it to Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, maybe he's like, that's a big <laughs> F you to Netflix for not giving it a big enough theatrical run. <laughs> to be uh, in Netflix's favor, and maybe this is just me not being online or reading the news enough, but I had no idea this was coming to Netflix in a week. I feel like I booked a ticket to the theater imagining this is my chance. This is my window to watch it. So at least for me, Netflix didn't advertise the direct-to-streaming so well that I would be compelled to not buy a movie ticket. So well, they're doing better than they were a few years ago. They didn't advertise it at all. However, the big-ass poster that was in the email from Alamo Drafthouse <laughs> has the Netflix logo at the bottom. <laughs> I also just want to stress, even the opening credits of this movie were just badass and felt like a video game. Just everything is just stylized to the nines. It, yeah, yeah. It, it's such a cool Fincher flex. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for our review of The Killer, which, will, as we said, will be airing on Netflix um, next week. Um, or you can catch it in what I guess is like a limited release right now. Um, but yeah, obviously, you should go check it out. We loved it. <laughs> um, for now, though, Stephen, where can people find you throughout the week if they want to do so? People can find me at Threads, X, Blue Sky, Instagram, whatever, at sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at CRISPRinRealLife.com or CRISPRIRL on various places, including Mastodon.social. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from Artlist.io, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, yeah, that, that, that's it for this week. Um, we're taking off and we'll be back, uh, maybe not next week as <laughs> Steven and I have some work travels to do. It, de- it depends if we can squeeze an early record. We'll, we'll find out. Cause I think Priscilla is next week. Mm, yeah, and yeah. Otherwise it's anatomy of the fall, which we've already seen. Yeah. yeah. And the holdovers. We, we could do a deep dive of that one too, if we wanted to, eh, we, we could decide. Yeah, yeah, just just straight spoiler cast for <laughs> for all the films that weekend. Yeah. All right. Well, we had a little sidebar there somewhere. So I don't know where the edit point will going to be, but we're going to take off, and we will see you in the next review. Everybody, take care. Bye. Bye.